0: City of Chronicles is a media chronicles production.
1: I can't believe it. I don't know where the time has gone. We've reached the end of the World Cup, and what an ending it was. We're recording the day after the World Cup final, and I still don't think I've fully recovered my thoughts and emotions. I can't imagine what this was like if you were Argentinian or French to watch the final. I've seen a lot of people describing it as the best World Cup final ever. I don't know if I have the the perspective to say that because, of course, I mean, I started watching the World Cup in 1990, and even then, I was very little. But I, it's probably the best one I've ever watched in my lifetime. Mina, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was really funny because I I wrote that and someone replied to me saying you're trying to tell me that this was better for you than 2006 <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> no that's not the same thing I mean, no. <laughs> no exactly you know and firstly that was a horrible final to watch because I don't know which floor I was on trying to stop myself <laughs> vomiting reputedly you know um, but I was like in terms of this being as a completely neutral fan where I was like what is going on you know like this is just in the beginning I was like oh this is kind of relatively boring like in the sense that Argentina totally dominated and then after that, I was like, I've never seen a game like this. I have never seen. I also because how often do we pit two superstars against one another, right? Like, I don't know the the, the big man of every team, say. and they actually both show up and equally show you the brilliance of everything that they do in that game as well. I tweeted this last night,
1: and I it's still the thought like it's such a cheesy like football. Commentator, journalist thing to say, Oh, you couldn't have scripted this. I mean, you absolutely could have scripted it. But the point is that this, this one really does feel like if you were scripting it, like if someone was doing this for like Hollywood, they would have been like, okay, so he's had his whole career. You know, he's got a coach who was playing as a teammate when his international debut. And up and through his whole career, when everyone said he was the best in the world, but he'd never even scored a single goal in a World Cup knockout game. So he's going to score in every single World Cup knockout game. And then in the final, he's going to be up against his club teammate who everyone thinks is going to be the best in the world after him. And his club teammate is going to score a hat trick. So it's not going to be like <laughs> an easy path. He's going to score a hat trick and then a penalty in the shootout as well. So you've got the rival set up in front of you. You've got this sort of perfect sort of foil to play off. And he's still going to get it done anyway. I mean, from the Leo Messi perspective, you you really couldn't have written a more perfect story. And unbelievable how both of them showed up in the big moments, in the big stage. I thought watching it for more than 70 minutes, I thought, gosh, Mbappe hasn't, you know, Mbappe hasn't been the star that we thought he was going to be. He hasn't Not as in he's never going to be big and important, but he hasn't been at this tournament, perhaps in the big knockout games as as central as we thought. He hasn't in this final. And then just the last 20 minutes of the game, plus the, the extra time, it was like a completely different match, Mina. It was like a completely different game happened. And in that game, Mbappe was sensational.
2: You know what? I didn't know what I was celebrating more. The fact that I put money on Argentina winning it and Mbappe being top scorer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually fulfilled this. You know, you know and you just put like these nice. little like token quid. And, and, or the fact that I'm just sitting there thinking, how is it possible? I got so lucky to win this final in which these two guys just showed us what. And also it's differing qualities. It's, it's, it's the it's like somebody at the end of their career. Really, well, not really. There's Messi still has years, you know, ahead of him, and he hasn't retired from international football. But showing you what he can do at his age, what his experience has brought to him, the calmness that he's depicted and 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 really had uh, throughout this tournament. He, you know, when you see Di Maria crying pretty much from the start of the match till the end, yeah. And Messi, even though after all the heartbreaks when they equalized and then they got back into it and they keep responding with goals, France, Messi didn't look shaken. Messi still looked like he had this deep, deep knowledge that they were still going to come through. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, this this is remarkable because if there's one thing that, you know, you, you say is how do you recover from that emotion so many times? When France keep hitting you with another blow, you know, you get the extra goal, you get the goal an extra time and then they still respond, you know, and it, it, it's crazy. And, and it was this whole time you look over at him and Mbappe, to be fair, who has a very great poker face. And they're both just this image of calm, image of like, we're going to get through this. We're going to find a way of getting past this. We're going to be the ones that continue to lead the team forward. And I just... I don't know. I felt like at that precise moment, like how, how in God's beautiful world is this not the greatest sport?
1: (laughs) I know. I mean, football when it's like this is just incredible, isn't it Mina? And you know, I was, there was a line that really stuck with me this morning. I was reading an Italian journalist uh, writing about the game and he talked about how winning the world cup will make Argentinians feel like, their country is the best country in the whole world, even though they know that it isn't. And I, I really, that really resonated with me. Like when Italy won the world cup, not in footballing sense, you just feel like your country is like the most important in the world because look at us. Like look what we can do as a country when we put it together. Like look what we're capable of. And of course it doesn't actually fix all of the whatever problems might exist back home. I have no idea what problems exist in Argentina. I'm right? not going there at all. Of course, everyone in their own countries has their own problems, but for that, for that moment, you feel like it's, it's everything, like your country is on top. And you know, Argentinians really do get to say right now, we have produced the best footballer who lived. Like that's how it is. Like that's how they get to say it. And people will argue, they might say some Argentinians might still think it's Maradona. Some Brazilians will think it's Pelé. No doubt some Portuguese will still think it's Ronaldo, but that is how, that's the feeling they get to have and to have it just I don't know crowned in this way is, is extraordinary
2: yeah it's also you become very peace and love like I that stays <laughs> with you for a really long time like after the Euros when I was blasting out the Italian song driving through London and you have people who like turn around and be like waving at you because they they know what that means and you it's just from the Euros and you feel like your life's made, you have no problem, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing matches in this world, like, that's, I guess that's what football stands for, like, you know, it's, it's incredible how much, like, a country, and, and anything that they may be going through, anything that you might be going through on a personal level as well, it's that moment in time when you get that, you feel like it's your achievement, you feel like it's, Yes. your happiness is being where it's it's all we ever want to do as human beings is identify with something right and when it's your country winning it most important it's not even the same as the club you know but i remember i was I was honestly on the foot you don't understand the house was just insane and the numbers just kept growing <laughs> also everyone was supporting someone else like someone was on like we were half france half argentina Everyone is going crazy. There are now other people coming in from different places and, and walking in to watch it with us. And it was just, I just forgot, you know, there's so many sports that we watch in the world, but how often do we do this, right? Like, how often do you get to, like, make friends with people that you don't know that well, you know, and, and identify with things and all of a sudden you feel a little bit Argentinian or you feel a little bit French or you'll find little reasons why you're, you're supporting Mbappe, for example, you know, and why you want him to do well because you know he's young and he represents us kids when we think this or when we think that. It was just, um I'm so jealous. I, I kind of wish it was us who won. I'm so jealous that they get to have this for the next four years that they can be like, screw you, went first, haha. You know, I'm I'm even jealous of France to have reached, you know, two finals in two years, one one and probably will get to the next final because their team is freaking awesome, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, let's, let's talk about the actual football for a minute. Like, um, that, you know, France, I think this was, it was extraordinary how bad they were at the beginning when it felt like Argentina were just in a different, in a completely different sort of quality, like a different zone, like the, the way they were sort of dominating everything, dominating the space. I mean, they weren't totally dominating the, the ball in terms of possession. It was fairly even, but it just felt like they were completely in control. They pressed where they wanted to, they attacked when they wanted to. And of course, Deschamps gets into that situation of, of even sort of making changes before half time, which is extraordinary. And in my head, I just kept thinking, and I've been thinking this even before the tournament, I, before the final, sorry. I, you know, is this France's sort of Come around moment for that finally against Brazil where Ronaldo was sick. Is this just the illness? Is this just like, we don't know how far reaching it is. And these players just haven't got enough in their legs to, to, to deal with it after these stories we've been reading about players getting sick. And then this whole sort of second part of the game unfolds, which of course it's about Mbappe, who's sensational. And, and I think there's not enough things that you can say that are acknowledge how good he was because even the three penalties, Mina. Yeah, sure, they're penalties. He put three penalties in a row in the same corner of the net against a goalkeeper who's really, really good at stopping penalties as he showed us in the shootout. Just completely unflappable. I think that's that's something special. The goal he scores from open play is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's a play that I think every single person that I've heard talking about in ex Pro is like, every striker you hear who's Next Pro talking about it says, Oh, I would have taken a touch here, and he just doesn't. He just doesn't take a touch. He just puts it straight in, in a way that leaves Martinez with no chance at all. So Mbappe was ridiculous, but also the supporting acts. um, And I'm I'm going this way because of what you just sort of said about the the future of this team. The really like the the players who turn this game around for France, as well as Mbappe, are Turam, who gets the assist and Mouani who wins the penalty. So two players who. They're not young, but they're mid-twenties and who have not been like the core players of this French team and, and could represent a future for it. It can't be highlighted enough just how special this player is, you know,
2: and in, in a world in which we're going to lose Ronaldo and Messi, no matter what your feelings are and who's the goat and all of these things. And everyone's like, well, we've shut down this debate. Messi won the World Cup.
1: You never shut down the debate. This idea that you can shut down a debate is ridiculous. You'll never end the debate. No, exactly that. And just like if if Ronaldo had won the World Cup, you wouldn't have shot
2: down the debate either. you know. So this isn't about which one's better, whatever it is.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are
1: gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry,
2: sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. That's right, chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. the law. Eighteen plus apply. website for details.
2: With Mbappe and, and France, I just look at this team and I think to myself, it just keeps producing talent after talent. And even and they're never gonna be a team that possesses well, they haven't been on the A team that has always shown you the might of their attacking potential. They actually almost, you know, restrain themselves and play this game where they're more cynical in anything that they do. You know, they defend well. They play the moments perfectly, and then they strike when they need to. Everything is done when they need to. So there isn't this total domination of the game, if that makes sense. You know, and this Argentina side that has grown into this tournament so brilliantly. You know, that started off with one of the most shocking losses, I think, ever registered in the World yeah. Cup to a team that no one would ever think would manage a win against this, against Argentina and Saudi Arabia, to have disturbed a run that was spectacular for Argentina against one of the best players in the world, and then have them then play Mexico when you're like, well, it's, it's not that great, right? I come out of the group stages sort of a little bit battered by the experience. Then there's the goal from Australia, and there's a part of you that's thinking, what's happening here? You know, you're safe, but sometimes you look very vulnerable. Performances by players like Taro Martinez, Alvarez comes in, things start to pick up. Argentina start to grow. They develop, they, they manage that performance in the semi-final, and you think they've arrived they now really know who they are. They've figured everything out. They are playing to the moments. They are cynical. They are perfectly balanced. They are organized. They are defensively strong. They are showing you the attacking potential. And Messi is just on fire. And you think exactly the same with France. They've maintained their identity all along. And with this player in between them that people can, can criticize or not, who is still only 23, only 23 years old, contesting mm-hmm. his second World Cup final in a row, who is nothing short of magnificent when he needs to be. And I just think, even if we do qualify for the next World Cup, like, how do we go with this team? There's too much competition, you know? <laughs> We're never going to get that. Although well, we won the Euros, obviously, but...
1: Exactly. Four years is a long time, Mina. Four years is a long time. A lot can happen in four years.
2: Yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, and it's just it's it's brilliance on every level. And I just love that people turn around and be like, This is your job? You're so freaking
1: lucky. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. These are the occasions when it feels like it. Although I will say this, Mina, as a as a, as someone who has done my share of those um reports inside the stadium, this was definitely one of those occasions that I was quite grateful not to be sat there with a word count and deadline because when you're in there and, and the story keeps changing like that you are in a state of panic well maybe not panic but high adrenaline and you don't really get to appreciate quite how brilliant the football is sometimes because you're trying to make sure you've got your words ready
2: actually asking you about that because obviously in the Euros you were you were in Wembley Stadium mm-hmm. I was doing the coverage for Sky and I didn't I mean all I could think in my head was I'm crying trying not to be like, <laughs> this is a huge moment <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my phone is buzzing. I'm trying to hide it because the vibration is like coming through the microphones, you know? <laughs> and, and then you just think like, I can't enjoy it. Whereas I was really happy to enjoy this final. You know, how, how did you,
1: what did you do when it was the Euro final? I don't remember if we sp- spoke about this at the time. I'm sure we would have spoken after. Um, I honestly, I think in the moment you can't enjoy it. You, you're, you're doing your work. You sort of are aware of what's happening, but you're aware of it in a very sort of intense way because you've got to write about it, but you, you don't get to connect with the sort of emotional side of it until afterwards. It is different when you're working. It is a different experience, but it's, it's an incredible privilege. So I, I wouldn't ever sort of want anyone to feel sorry for me for that. It's something that's, that's extraordinary to, to be there for those moments. On the Argentina side, Mina, like there's almost like too many people. I've said the messy bit, like messy... He was the defining player of this tournament, even in spite of being outscored by Mbappe in the end. Incredible. But in terms of the other performances in this team, I've waxed lyrical about Alvarez before this game. He wasn't as defining in this game, but still important. Di Maria coming back, having been injured from the middle of the tournament to score that goal, as you said, to be in tears and, and ride that emotional moment. Kevin McAllister, sorry, Kevin McAllister, Alexis McAllister. I'm thinking about someone's joke about Kevin McAllister from Home Alone earlier. Alexis McAllister of Brighton just has come on and on in this tournament and been brilliant and had the uh, had the assist on the second goal on the goal for for Di Maria, which was a, a wonderful team goal. And then, of course, Emi Martinez, who I think we probably need to like ref- talk about his performance in the shootout, which was a show but he's save from muani in like the, the the last minute of injury time that game doesn't go to penalties if he doesn't make that save
2: yeah absolutely i i agree with you um you've just made our producer laugh hysterically um <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's really hard sometimes to concentrate when you see his face. um sorry sorry um, but uh, it was why i love this match so much is because i think these two coaches have been really wonderful in Didier Deschamps, who always gets a lot of criticism in what he does. And I can understand that that first half didn't go the way he does, but his changes actually make such a difference to France afterwards. And, and we saw the way that they started to improve in the second half and how much that made a difference. And actually, he was making his changes in the 40th minute. He took off two players and introduced, um, to, for example, Giroud. But it's Scaloni understanding exactly on a tactical level how to pack that midfield, how to free up the areas, how to, to ensure that his players were able to dominate that and not only dominate, but take advantage of their ability to then score those goals. It was just a wonderful masterpiece from Scaloni. And, and for a coach who has now won the Copa America, who has won the World Cup, who has made Argentinians feel... That this is a, a a fun team to represent again after a lot of pressure, after what happened in 2016, when so many, like Messi, for example, felt at the time that he wasn't sure that he wanted to continue, that everything was always blamed on him when they, when Argentina didn't do well. Scaloni changed so much of, of the, the way that it's viewed as the, the national team is viewed, how the enjoyment being had the the emotional connection between the players, just watching his face on the sideline as well when he's realizing what just happened and he can't stop holding in the emotions. Like for me, it's, yes, of course, the players. um, And you're right, Emmy Martinez, we do have to kind of discuss what happened in the penalty shootout. I mean, I don't know what to make of it because there's a part of me that's like, I love the shithousery of it all, yeah? But then there's another part of me that's like, come on, dude, that's a bit mean, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he absolutely should have been booked for throwing the ball away. And and I think he did. He was, was booked. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Well, he certainly pushed the line of what's allowed. And I'm fascinated by the, by the mental aspect of penalties, Mina. Like I really am. And I, and I've said already, like how extraordinary I think it is genuinely, I think are going to be like an an under sort of talked about part of this story because of everything else there is to talk about. That Mbappe literally hit the, the same penalty three times and nailed it three times. I think that's really hard to do in high pressure situations. But absolutely, I do think there is such a sort of, such a clear mental part of penalty shootouts in big moments of tournaments. And some players like talk about it. Like, of course, Andrea Pirlo famously talked about the chip with Joe Hart and being like, he was making such a big scene on on the touch, on the goal line. I wanted to make him look silly. Like I wanted to make him look small with that Penenka that he scored against him at the Euros and that, that being like a, a deliberate sort of mind game almost. And going back to the, the Euros, the most recent ones when, when Italy knocked out Spain, that whole show with Cellini at the handshake, like that stuff matters. It does. Like it, <laughs> it all matters when, when, when it comes to these moments. And in this shootout, Martinez putting on a show, I think it mattered. As did the extraordinary audacity of Messi's penalty that I've had to, I've watched it a few times now. When I watched it in real time, I was like, I'm not sure you didn't just get lucky with that when I saw it the first time. Because if Larice is more confident, that's such a slow penalty. But he really does, he really does lead Larice and wait until Larisse is is quite a long way to that side. Maybe it's a good penalty, I'm not sure. But I think the impact of it, the 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 nonchalance of it once it's gone in it's probably another little psychological moment in this in this battle like oh okay yeah like i'm going to do it this way and that's how confident we are
2: one thing of the game that I, I really like that people sort of hate and want to abolish is the dark arts or it is it is this exact thing but i actually think it's so important to the game because at the end of the day you're you're not just playing football you're also playing the opponent. you're also trying to to figure out their emotional and what provocations and how you can provoke them into mistakes, how to psychologically get the best out of them. And I think that winning that battle is a separate battle and I want it to happen because it makes for a better show, a better spectacle to us as an audience, to us as the spectator part of the reason why I, I love watching Italian football so much is because it's so much about that, you know. It, it was so much about, for example, for me growing up, watching Del Piero, you know, fall in all the right places to get the free kicks and to, to delay the time, you know, and stretch it out as much as possible. And, and the great work of Mauro Cameronese and doing exactly the same thing when you needed him to do that, you know. But it is that. It's also penalty shootouts are, are not about your ability as a player, right? It's just about how you can cope under the pressure, and how you can still deliver and what the opponent and, and the goalkeeper will do. Totti in, in 2000, right? In in against the Netherlands with that, like it was just, it was just like, my God, if there was anything better to watch in your lifetime other than that penalty and you think, thank you, thank you so much, you know, for that perfect penalty that makes you almost feel like your country's perfect again because of one damn penalty. It is, it is important, and so I think that even though we may not like people may not like it or say it's this or say it's that, if you're if you're I'm Argentina, I want to give a medal to that guy.
1: Well, he got more than that. He got he got the the the, the golden glove, which he treated with um, <laughs> particular audacity. I mean, I have, we'll get to that moment in a second so I think I think we need to have a conversation about some of the stuff that went on in general. I I just wanted to sort of I guess have one more thought on this conversation, which is. I've spoken to to Gigi Buffon a a bunch of times, been one of my great sort of privileges. I've been very lucky in my career to have a number of sit downs with him. And a theme he's come back to a lot of times is that he thinks an essential element for a goalkeeper is a bit of folia, a bit of madness, a bit of foolishness. And for me, speaking personally, I I think we talked about this at the start of this World Cup, like Walter Zenga was kind of my first like World Cup player I, I remember because he was so out there. And so for me, You know, those experiences, Buffon's perspective. I think Jimmy Nielsen said something similar when I interviewed him for his um, autobiography, another goalkeeper. This idea of like, you've got to be a bit mad to go and goal. Martinez embodied that in this game in a way that I enjoyed a lot. And I think certainly his persona helped them win that shootout. I think it did spook France's penalty takers enough. And that was in the end, well, that's how they won the game, isn't it? They won the penalty shootout. So.
2: Nikki, if you played the game, would you be a goalkeeper? Because you seem to love them.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, no I'm, I'm not nearly patient enough. You have to be very patient, I think, to be a goalkeeper. You have to stay back there and be okay with nothing happening for a long time. I, d- I did play a, p- a bit of football when I was younger. Not well, but I played football and I mostly ended up in defence, um, which I always thought was a suitably Italian thing to do <laughs> in my head. <laughs>
2: your brother, was the more English one, as you, as you um, said before in our last one, was he an attacker?
1: He was more of a midfielder, I think, but I think he was oh. on those midfielders who wanted to be an attacker. You know, he was okay. on those players who would have liked to play up front, but wasn't good enough, so you end up in midfield. <laughs> That's cruel, but it's true, I think, in football. Like, when you're young, scoring is hard. It's probably the hardest thing to do in football, so, so the best players often do get their, the chance to go up front.
0: 18 plus.
1: Mina, we should probably do a very quick, since we are normally the Serie A Chronicles. Italian Serie A players who are in this game, one of them, Paolo Dybala, I was messaging you about the second he came on. I was like, Mina, you can't bring Dybala on for a shootout.
2: I love that me and Dybala are just one and the same with you. Anything oh, that's
1: I can't see Dubala without thinking about Mina now. That's just like it's become hard coded into my brain. Like um
2: As soon as Dival is <laughs> pencil to the pitch, whether it's for Roma, whether it's anything else, anything that's going on in the Europe League, anything that's happening in the World Cup, there's a message from Mickey going, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> And and by the way, can I just also say to, to our audience here, Nikki was uh, quickly, quickly, by the way, the confidence shown, yeah, I think it must have been the, what, 20th minute of the game, okay, and obviously Argentina scored a goal, and Nikki was right on there being like, I think you should get the audio clip while I predicted that this would happen in Argentina. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I was right in the end. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I thought to myself, the sheer arrogance of this, wait a second. And I our producer comes back and be like, let's see what happens in the second half. <laughs> I, of course, then watching Bappy equalize, and I'm ready to go on tw- onto DMs and be like, listen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a part of me that thinks it'll be Argentina just some way, somehow, because Messi's gonna win because one. Like Messi. it's just like this is like it's gonna happen. Messi will win a World Cup. I know, you know, he's not the Messi of a few years ago, but he's played pretty well recently and and Messi will do messy things at last at a World Cup and, and they'll win one.
2: I found that hilarious, by the way. So I just felt like people needed to know <laughs>
1: And I, you were like, see, I told you guys, you know. <laughs> I successfully predicted the Euro 2020 winner before the start. I successfully predicted the World Cup winner. As I said on Twitter, I'm just waiting for someone to give me the Paul the Octopus gig where they come to my house every day and offer me two lunches to choose from. Cause that would make life much easier, honestly.
2: Okay. There's a few questions I have on my personal, uh, uh you know, life in general. I'm going to ask you to tell me which direction to take because you can predict things. You know? <laughs>
1: It's tied to a lunch though, Mina. I want a
2: free lunch. Okay,
1: I swear I'll do it with the free lunch.
2: But yes, Dybala and his uh, penalty. I just thought, in my head, I was thinking, oh my God, he's going to come on. He's come on to take a penalty and he's going to miss the penalty. And, you know, all I kept thinking about is some of the penalties that he missed for Juventus. Not the ones he scored, but the ones he's missed, right? And I'm thinking, I forgot that this guy's even on the Argentina team. Yeah, like I've forgotten about his existence. Meanwhile, you know, Lautaro Martinez is, I'm watching this game thinking, I feel so sorry for Lautaro Martinez. Although there's a part of me that thinks Inter right now is pretty happy that, that, you know, that he hasn't, I don't know, blown out the way that other players have like Amrabat, for example, and they have to deal with lots and lots of offers for him. So it's Lautaro Martinez's performance. It's Tibala coming on for the penalty. And I'm thinking Serie A stars, Paredes, who obviously had that whole thing against Netherlands when he provoked the bench and, and, hit the ball at them and seem to be very, very angry again and always there almost to incite some violent scene or something in the middle. And I think Seri Astar's not really doing all that well for, for Argentina in that sense. But then he does deliver the penalty. And La Martinez obviously scored the very important penalty that, that, um, that puts him through in the knockout stages as well. And yet there's a part of me that's like, I don't know how good of a penalty
1: that is. And I think you agreed. I hated it. I think he just got away with it cause, because Larice didn't do the right thing, I guess. Um, I, I, I watched them both back this morning to try to, to, to re really sort of assess. Because at the time I was like with Messi and Dybala both, I was like, oh, I, I think there's a lot more confidence in, in Messi's penalty. When you watch it back, Messi really is waiting and reading really and reacting. I think it can still go wrong because he does hit it really softly. And I think uh, a more nimble keeper might still get to it, even though Larissa starts off the wrong way. But DiBala's penalty, I'm not convinced, it has the same amount of sort of reading and and cleverness to it. It's just straight down the middle. Which gives me incredible anxiety. But it worked. It worked. And you know, I was thinking, um, I said this you just before we started, Mina, like Lautaro had it felt like a not good cameo in this game. He missed some chances that could have won the game before the end of extra time. But in the end. It was still his shot that gets blocked, that allows Messi to score the goal that puts Argentina 3-2 up. So even in his, I thought, bad performance overall, his shot was was fundamental. Like he played a role that allowed Argentina to win this tournament. I don't know, to allow them to win this tournament might be going far. Well, they they, they probably don't win without that goal, right? Well, who knows? Because of course, if they don't score, it, you don't know what France do next. But it was 2-2 at the time.
2: No, you're you're absolutely right about that. In that sense, here's the thing with Latario Martinez. You know, when he's on, he's he's bloody on, and he's wonderful to watch. But when he's off, it really is like a psychological downfall, and and you and, you, and he tries so hard to get back into it, but it's either long periods of nothing or long periods of absolute beauty, um, and that's kind mm-hmm. of what you get a lot of the time with Latario Martinez. Um And again, he's still young, so I feel like sometimes when you pile the pressure on, because we see players like Harland and Mbappe do it at a very young age, or Bellingham or, you know, Pedri, or whoever you want to say, that we expect so much and so much brilliance consistently, but for some players it just takes a little bit longer for them to provide that. Meanwhile, in the French side, I... I I watched Rabiot in the first half and I thought you, you're going to need to do better than that kid. You know, like mm-hmm. you need to stand your ground. Like this is just, you no, Teo Hernandez couldn't even keep hold of the ball at this point, you know? And I was like, this mm-hmm. is a disaster. Like they, like it's just become so easy for Argentina and obviously tactically their game plan was working to perfection, but it was just seemed like France couldn't string two passes together but obviously, with the changes made, you know, uh, Randall, Colo, Moanyu, who's just spectacular when he came on, frankly speaking. And, and Rabio took a little bit more of a hold in midfield, really improved his performances in the second half. And actually, on that level, the Serie A stars were somewhat better <laughs> for France than they were maybe for Argentina, except for Giroud, who didn't have a chance to really show you in the second half or anything like that. He was taken off. I look go back in this and I think it's a remarkable achievement for a team that had so many players missing. And even with all the players missing, it's it's remarkable because how many of them were actually sick and had to play because there weren't that many alternatives and, and exhausted and well obviously Argentina is exhausted too, but they had a full squad ready to choose from. So this is what worries me in the future because I just don't know who can topple France. But when it came to Serie A stars, I have to say, you know, you think Rabio's is doing it for Juventus and he's been magnificent, but he's doing it for France as well. And I can't believe the season that he's having. He's just every, he's just improving and improving. And, and it's really great to watch. And it's just a shame that this is the final year of his contract now. And I, I, how much my feelings have changed between summer and now on this one player.
1: Absolutely. I wonder if we'll be talking about him on the Sky Sports Transfer Show. We're both going to be doing next month. Vina, is there anything else from this match that you think we haven't covered off? I want to talk about the post-game stuff with you because um, I know there's some interesting things happened. But is there anything from the game itself that we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about?
2: No, I, I, I did. I did want to say like how much of Seria's influence is in that game. You know, not just in the players who represent the team, um, but even some of the you know the fact that Scaloni was was somebody who did play and 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 for Lazio for example who was somebody who um started out as a as a scout for Atalanta and Didier Deschamps who forged his name at Juventus as a coach like I kind of like that being on show and that being the tactical battle because for me I do really feel like the two best coaches in in the competition we got to see their chops at the end so just in that level I'm I'm Obviously, a scout isn't, you know, some for Atalanta is not the same as, you know, getting your coaching tops. But anyway, I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for Scaloni. I thought that what he did was just marvelous on a tactical level.
1: Completely agree with you. And, and what a story again. Like, he, you know, when Messi starts his international career playing alongside Lionel Scaloni to come full circle like that is is amazing. One thing that has happened in the last few days that we haven't talked about. Since Mihailović passed away. Unbelievably sad news. His battle with cancer has been such sort of big news in Italy the last few years. I'm sure I don't have to go back through it with everyone, but he was diagnosed with leukemia. He got briefly it felt like he had the the all by well, he was given the all clear by doctors, then it returned. He's been in and out of hospital. Um he also was was sacked by Bologna in September. His mark on Italian football will last forever. He is the joint all-time leading scorer of free kicks in Serie A alongside Andrea Pirlo. Did it in about 150, 200 fewer games as well. So without question, one of the greatest free kick takers Italian football has ever seen. As a as a manager, such a force of personality. He did save Bologna from, from relegation the first season he was there. The impact he had on his players' lives, what they meant to him was was very, very clear. He was Himself, a complicated character. I want to talk about complicated politics. The, the The sort of things he's said, the people he's had um relationships with are uh, are have been the source of controversies that are far too big to to go into right now and here. But I think, without question, someone who was just hugely impacted by his own start in life, being born, growing up in a part of the world which was immediately sort of thrown into conflict with the creation war of independence formed him as this very sort of tough, resilient individual who went on to really make a mark on a lot of people's lives in Italian football. And, and he will be missed, I think is, is probably as much as I can say right now. Mina, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that.
2: No, that's so well said, Nikki. I don't think I should add anything to that. You know, I mean, it is. it was devastating to hear because of just why he represents to to really everyone who has followed Italian football especially, uh, you could see that so perfectly well depicted in, in Maldini's tears, hearing that tragic news. And really, it, it, it's been horrible as well because of obviously the journalist in Mario's concerto also passing away this weekend. And yeah, re- rest in peace.
1: It like there's been a lot of loss the last few weeks obviously this World Cup as well. We, we've talked about Grant Wall and his passing. as another journalist. It's It's been... It's been a lot, a lot of sadness at the end of this year.
2: And not to be able to have witnessed that final, which is something he would have just absolutely loved to have seen, you know. Absolutely.
1: But I think that's gonna be it from us for 2022. We could should we finish with a quick few actually um thank yous? We've got a few new Chronicles Defozie we could we could just say thank you to before we sign out, Mina. Sure. Um so I'll say uh, thank you to Ryan Young, Rich Sodin, Julian M., and Abdullah Alawais, all for signing up to our Patreon and supporting this podcast.
2: And to Daniel Titalitsi, Jonathan Bond, Michael Hall, <laughs> star of Dexter, <laughs> and Matej Mavrychek. Again, I hope you guys understand how much we appreciate your support in all of this and to signing up to the to Chronicles. It means a lot to us. Uh, I think that's all we have time for, but we will be back, obviously, for Serie A. Are you looking forward to everything resuming again, Nikki?
1: I'll be honest, Mina, and say that I'm really grateful that Serie A comes back in January rather than the Premier League, which is back on Boxing Day. I, I might go and watch Arsenal on Boxing Day as a fan, <laughs> but as a, as a journalist, I think it, it certainly feels nice to have that extra few days just to, to, to enjoy the end of this World Cup to reflect on it and then come back strong in the new year.
2: It's bizarre because, you know, when this all, when ended and like, you know, what was like a fascinating title race and it was about the world mm-hmm. cup, I was like, oh for goodness sakes! like this was going so well and <laughs> it's all interrupted now and now because we've been caught up in the world cup. I'm like, oh God, I don't know how to go back. <laughs> you know? So it's always interesting navigating all the different competitions and anyway. Definitely. But uh, we shall be back. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Mina Rizuki, at Nikki Bandini. Follow Saria Chronicles on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. As always, ciao for now.